Hello, people. This is Josh Schlossberg with the Green Root Podcast. For this episode, I want to talk about why I am an ecosystem patriot. What does it mean to be an ecosystem patriot? Well, it doesn't really mean anything. I just made it up. It's kind of nonsense. But it's the concept of loving the land. That's it, right? And I live in the United States, in Colorado, because I love the land. The people are fine, but really it's about the forests and the mountains and the proximity to the desert and the quality of the air, all things like that. And I've always been a pro-wilderness guy, so really it's been about preserving the land base for me in a lot of my advocacy work. And I've certainly worked on other issues that tie into that, such as climate change, of course, things like incinerators and biomass energy. So incinerators basically burn trash or trees, and a lot of times they're situated in poor communities, communities of color. They emit lots of toxics and other air pollutants. So that ties a bit into land-based issues, but it always comes back to the forest for me. That's really where my love of nature started in the forest behind my house in New York State, and then moving up to Vermont and hanging out in the woods there, and in Oregon and the old growth native forests, and then back to Vermont and then out in Colorado. Just, it's all about the land. And what I've noticed is that the environmental movement has become less and less about preserving the land base. In fact, even the organizations who profess an interest in, say, protecting public lands, as in national forests and Bureau of Land Management, BLM lands, places like that, a lot of times they're actually advocating for extraction in the form of logging, mining, drilling, those sorts of things. So I think there's that issue. And then there's the fact that just say even the climate movement seems to have even abandoned the concept of land preservation, which I think is silly because one of the best things that we can do around climate change is preserve our carbon storing and sequestering forests. So forests suck up carbon from the atmosphere and keep it in the trees and in the soil and the roots and things like that. Even as they decay and die, it's a very slow process of release. So it's a carbon bank, it's carbon storage. Same with oceans, ocean protection as well is where ocean is where a lot of the carbon is stored. So those issues are really central to addressing the climate. And what's more, when you fixate entirely just on the climate, and I agree that the climate has got to be a part of all environmental efforts, but when you have those blinders on, what happens is you advocate for things like biomass energy. So it continues to this day, but up about a decade ago, most environmental groups were actively advocating for a lot of forms of biomass energy, which is, to put it simply, burning forests for electricity and for heat and for transportation fuels. These days, groups have been backing off of the power plants for electricity, but a lot of them still support other forms of it. And about half of biomass energy, it's 43%, is heating and transportation fuels. So that's a lot of biomass. So the focus on what we have to reduce carbon ends up 
getting people to say, let's cut down forests to <laughs> reduce the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. Of course, the science, as any seventh grader could have told you, doesn't quite check out. Cutting these trees and burning them in one pulse obviously releases that carbon back in the atmosphere. And it's not a good idea. And the science shows that actually burning biomass energy releases more carbon dioxide per unit of energy generated than even coal. This is not advocacy for fossil fuels in the least. However, biomass energy can be even worse. So the fact that there wasn't much of a look into the science for whatever reason, but I think it really came from, oh, the land, whatever, that doesn't matter. Let's just focus on this carbon molecule. That's not enough and it's really dangerous. And what's more, it, like I said, it is harmful to reaching our goals. So let's just say that we're not advocating for biomass energy, even though a lot of the environmental movement still is. The refusal to protect large chunks of land is really a damaging kind of thing. And other than the fact that it can store carbon and all that, it's something that can create a buffer for when, say, certain climate zones shift and wildlife habitat becomes a bit different. Let's say there's more wildfires in a certain area because of different climatic factors and then say certain animals shift to another area. If there wasn't, if there isn't enough land and certainly not enough contiguous land, then they have nowhere to go. They can't adapt. So it buffers us land preservation against some of the worst impacts of climate change, but it seems like it's fallen off folks radar and I like to try to bring it back into the conversation more. And that concept of ecosystem patriotism is <laughs> never going to catch on. But I think at least having some pride in one's land is a really important thing. And something I've noticed amongst a lot of climate activists, let's say, is that they don't spend much time out in nature. So I think it's a matter of just not familiarity with it, and therefore you don't develop that love of it, and therefore your understanding of environmental issues is quite narrow. And again, I think the climate movement has done a lot of great stuff, and I think we need to obviously address the climate, but we can't address the climate in isolation, and that's not how things work anyway. So the issue of public lands in my mind is a really important thing to focus on because public lands like national forests are have some of the most intact ecosystems left in the country and ideally yes we would not be allowing destructive clear-cutting and toxic herbicides spraying on private lands either i think that is private practices need to be reformed absolutely and i've worked on those issues in the past but public lands are already earmarked for being set aside with a little bit different purpose. So multiple use is the concept in national forests. So the idea that part of it is for recreation or for preservation, for protecting water sources, things like that. And then there are the extraction elements. My argument, and I've been a part of groups for years, Native Forest Council was one of the first to start putting out the zero cut concept is those lands are off limits to any form of extraction. So we preserve those lands. The concept of preservation versus conservation. I think 
On private lands, we do conservation, as in we conserve the landscape, but we're utilizing aspects of it. On public lands, we preserve that. And there has been obvious pushback from the logging industry, but the reality is the amount of board feet and the amount of money and the amount of jobs from public lands is pretty minimal. And there could be some sort of bailout for those mills that do depend on that and those loggers. I don't think they should be left out in the cold. It's not like, oh, learn to code that whole meme that they're telling miners. That's really <laughs> rude. So obviously these are people that have had jobs in this profession for a long time. The reality is, of course, if there is more let's just call it sustainable logging on private lands, that actually causes, it creates more jobs. So if you're clear cutting, you can use all of this big machinery and you need less people, but more painstaking work creates more jobs. But the reality is a lot of the logging industry doesn't want to create more good paying jobs. And that's a whole other can of worms. So public lands protection, I need, I think needs to come back in vogue. And it's not just no logging, but no mining, no drilling, all that. I proposed a while ago that concept of bringing it back. I didn't come up with a concept, but I had written a piece several years ago about let's all join together, those of us who are working on, say, mountaintop removal stuff or any sort of mining issues, those who are working to stop drilling, logging, and grazing cows on public lands, let's all join together and say, not on public lands, people weren't that interested because people are off on their own little thing. If they care about one thing, they don't care about the other aspect. I think that's unfortunate. A bigger concept is E.O. Wilson, the renowned ecologist, I guess is what his scientific background is, biologist maybe as well. He's been around for a long time and he is much respected and he has done a lot of great stuff for the natural world. And his most recent concept is half earth. So setting aside 50% of land basically for preservation. I think that's beautiful. I've talked to some people who are environmentalists and they've said, that's not enough. Well, okay, I agree, but that's, that's a good start. And doing half of it isn't going to stop us from doing the rest once we get there. So if that is a literal half measure, I'm okay with that half measure. I think compromise, it's not even a compromise. I think baby steps are okay as long as they don't prevent us from getting to our goal. And I certainly don't think going from whatever the percentage of protected land is now to 50% is a baby step. That's a huge, huge leap. So that's something that I think would be really really great. It didn't catch on much. Um, many, very few environmental groups supported it. Hardly any of the media covered it. I don't know what, what went on, but basically I do think it's come down to people are not connected to the land anymore. People like the concept of it and they like to have it on their desktop, a beautiful forest, but they don't go out in it. I live in a place deliberately so I can go out in it. I go out every single week pretty much without fail for a long ass hike. And I do have the privilege to be able to do that. I acknowledge not everyone can, but I do think if you are an environmentalist, you should be making sure that you at least make your pilgrimages once in a while. Cause then you start, well, you realize all sorts of things. <laughs> you realize the source of life. You realize how miraculous water is. You hang out with wildlife. You realize things are bigger than you and more important than you and all that. But it's a reminder that it all comes back to the land. And 
something I have noticed in regards to even some of our prominent environmentalists and has to do with, I think, whether it's not a reverence. I don't want to say that at all. I'm sure they revere the land, but they don't have that concept of wild. So this concept of wild is the forest kind of knows what it's doing. And the best thing we can do is back off. A lot of folks think, no, 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 we have to get in there. We have to manipulate environments. And sometimes that might be true. Areas that are around where people live, for instance, the issue of wildfire, that's a very complex topic that I'm not going to get into right now. But I have been writing on that for a long, long time. And just to put it simply, it might be one thing. Well, it's definitely a good thing to around your home, tend that area. That is where if you tend that area, they say around 60 feet around your home. It doesn't mean clear cut it, but making sure that there's not trees right up against your property and where you have or up against your home and you don't have wood piles stacked and you're not tall grass, things like that in fire prone areas. If you tend to that, you have a very small chance actually of your house burning down even in a large fire. Sometimes things happen, of course, but it's an excellent practice and it's called FireWise. But instead, what a lot of push has been from, well, from government, but also industry is probably from industry and then government gloms onto it, but you'd be surprised, is we therefore go into wilderness and we cut trees to prevent wildfire. And again, I'm not going to get into all of it. Let me just assure you that that is nonsense, <laughs> counterproductive. So I think that comes from the whole idea of, well, we have to go in there and manipulate because there's no such thing as the wild. The wilderness doesn't know what it's doing. Well, guess what? Forests have existed for what? Millions of years on their own. They know what they're doing. We hardly have any clue what we're doing and we don't have long enough track record to determine. In fact, if anything, we have a track record proving that we don't know how to manage landscapes. So I am a wilderness guy and I noticed that the environmentalists who I tend to agree with on certain issues. If you look at their background, they're not wilderness people. And one person in particular is Bill McKibben. And I do have a lot of respect for Bill McKibben. I've read several of his books and I've appreciated all of them. I think he's done a great job of getting the word out about climate change. However, I do disagree with him on several issues and the biomass issue was one of them for a long time. And his advocacy for biomass in the state of Vermont, when I was trying to urge people not to burn trees for energy, that was one of the major obstacles I had because I was a nobody, but here's this prominent environmentalist worldwide and he lives in the state and he thinks it's okay and he's endorsing it. What am I supposed to do about it? But he's changed his tune somewhat on aspects of it at least. And so that's, that's excellent. He, he changed his mind, so at least on some of it. So that's, you got to hand it to him. But I think it comes down to his view of the natural world. And if you read his book called The End of Nature, I want to say it was 1989. I think it was his first book, or at least the one that put him on the radar. It was about climate change. And in it, he talks about how because climate change is everywhere, right? Because the climate has changed, it's impacted all of our ecosystems. 
and therefore there is no such thing as nature anymore. That's the title of the book. And his conclusion, from my understanding, is that there is no more wild because our human activities have influenced the land base everywhere. So the idea of letting nature run its course anymore is not a relevant concept. And therefore, if you think that, then why not go into forests and log them to make them a certain way because you think they should be that way and not trusting nature's processes. And I think that is where the fundamental disagreement between myself and folks like McKibben exists. He has a little bit more of a platform than I do, but there are plenty of folks who come from that wilderness background. And I think that's originally most of the environmental movement. Folks like Ed Abbey and things like that was about the forest protection stuff. I think what we need to do is we need to incorporate those elements back into the environmental movement front and center. So sure, advocating that drilling stop in, and pipelines don't get built, but remembering the landscape itself, the land base, and focusing on that public lands aspect and how nature does know what it's doing, right? Eventually nature will figure it out and our meddling sometimes might be necessary in terms of our own habitat. I'm not saying that we let the forest take over our cities, although that would be pretty cool and I'd move to that city in a second. But I'm saying that we do make a demarcation between here are lands where all humans live and we manipulate the whole environment and screw it all up, fine. Then there are areas where, okay, this is the edge of things. Maybe we have some farmland here and then a little bit of natural meadow and then some forests that maybe can be some woodlots, whatever. But then there are areas that we leave it alone. And I, I think we need more and more of those. And we do have wilderness, right? But what a lot of folks don't realize is a lot of those wilderness areas are not that ecologically productive. Now, for the species that live in those wilderness areas, I don't mean to land shame you, but a lot of those areas are what they call rocks and ice. So there are these magnificent sweeping landscapes that are awesome for a hike, but critters can't live there as much because they're inhospitable, the soil is poor, they're very steep, that kind of thing. The lower land areas that have those denser, more productive forests, those are typically the private timberlands in terms of forest stuff. And those are the lands that I would like to see transition over to public lands because, again, that's the best thing that we have right now for forms of protection. The sad thing that most people don't know is that public lands are not at all off limits to extraction. So when I was working with Native Forest Council years ago, that would be one of the things we would let them know. Just because a national forest is not a wilderness area and it's not a national park and national parks have their issues as well, right? With all the roads and there's plenty of development and maybe too many people. But national park is probably better than national forest in terms of protection. But people don't understand this and it's not talked about much, and the media doesn't pick up on it because most environmental groups aren't talking about it. There are a handful talking about it, 
a lot of the contention is around some bills that are around wilderness stuff, but they're public lands bills, and they offer a lot of land up for extraction. There's one right now called the Great Outdoors Act, I believe, and I'm hoping to get somebody to come on the podcast to talk more about it. But it's not about just one bill or anything like that, so I don't want to get too much into the weeds about that. Also, because I don't know enough about that bill to say much of anything except for its name, and I might have even gotten that wrong. But in conclusion, getting back to the land base, the concept of public lands, the concept of no extraction on public lands, the concept of preservation, that concept of half earth, let's inject that back into the discussion. People don't have to use the term ecosystem patriot, but July 4th is coming up and I think that would be relevant. And the best thing is you don't have to blow up any fireworks to be an ecosystem patriot. All you got to do is go for a hike.